today, but him and his wife are wonderful, lovely individuals that have given their life for the kingdom of God. And today, I am so grateful that they're in this room with us today and we have enjoyed their ministry over the last few days and we are indebted to them. So Pastor Howard Jones, can you make him welcome as he comes this morning? Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, stand on your feet. Give Jesus a hand. That name that's above every name, praise God. Just glorify him right now. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Love you, Pastor. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You may be seated. What an honor and joy for us to be here today and these last few days. My goodness, God has blessed us just for hanging out with y'all. Hallelujah. And, and I so appreciate the response of the congregation when one of the people needed prayer, one of the guys in church needed prayer. Thank y'all for just getting right in on that. Hallelujah. So it's good to see you. Hallelujah. I know we don't have time to, to meet, greet, figure me out and think, what in the world is a man like that being with such a beautiful woman like he is? But I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Hallelujah. So I, I can't wait just to share the word. And, uh, but basically, my story is very simple. I got born again at 19 in 1976 on Easter Sunday. I was a wannabe hippie. And my neck was so red, my hair couldn't cover it, praise God. But I, I, I found myself thinking I'd never be saved at 18. I, I just thought I'd send away the day of grace and there was no hope for me. But I showed up on a Sunday night at my mother's church, praise God, just to go in and get her off my back. Thank God for mothers who don't ever stop. Hey, mamas, when your kids see you, they need to know that word can fly out any moment. Amen. So I went in, sitting there, the person preaching, preached on Zacchaeus, come out, come out of that tree. I'm going to your house today. And Jesus has been hanging out in my house for 47 years. Praise God. Amen. I love every minute of it. Me and uh, Pastor Joanne been married 40 years, and I've been pastoring the same church for 36 years. Hallelujah. There's great joy with that, Pastor, and there's great, uh, great uh, challenges because you know what? You can become the old shoe around the church when you've been one it that long. Hello? And so that was a challenge. I just want to say today, I know, I know that you guys have one of the most incredible worship teams. Give them a hand. Praise God. <laughs> Bible says give honor where honors do. Hallelujah. God spoke a very clear word to me in uh, the beginning of July, and he challenged me to be aggressive. He said, be aggressive in prayer, be aggressive in preaching, be aggressive in praise. And y'all done got a few of those already knocked out of the park, praise God. So you're moving in the right direction. But what I want to challenge you, because the challenge for any of us is that something that's familiar to us that we do all the time can become common. Hello? I know a lot of people, if they had showed up in y'all's church today, y'all, they would still be running, praise God. I'm just saying that shout now kind of got me tore up, hallelujah. And this is not reproof. 
I'm just saying, I believe that God is calling all of us into a time of honor. And you guys are blessed. In my personal opinion, I believe this man right here is one of the greatest pastors walking on this planet, praise God. Hallelujah. And the staff and the worship team, they are amazing, glory to God. And I honor all of them from the guys in the sound room to, to every facet of this ministry. And we, you just, we all need to learn how to show honor. But that is not my message today. I come with a very simple message. But if you know anything or have known anything about me, unity has been a core value in my life for a few years. I go all the way back to when I came to pastoring 36 years ago, I tried to hook up with the ministerial alliance. I always was going to churches, trying to build bridges, and there was a lot of challenges. And then one guy, God gave me a revelation of unity that it's not conformity. You know, when we go to those meetings and all of us, the community would come together and we'd all meet under one roof. Even though it looked like we were there for the right reason, ain't nobody in that room wanted to be there beside the people they were beside. I, I'm going to have fun this morning. I ain't going to preach too long, maybe. Anyway, but the point is, I'm saying that to lay a foundation for where I'm going to go here in just a few moments. But in those meetings, and this is not a slam on anyone, but in our particular community, the Baptists worked well with us, but they had the strictest rules. In other words, every Easter, every Thanksgiving, every community service we had, we had to become Baptists for the night. I'm not beating up. I'm just telling you that was the rules. In the beginning, no clapping of the hands. I have never been to service without clapping my hands. And it's like, ooh, you know. And then even that, the Methodist lady pastor would not be recognized at those meetings. And then, I mean, go down the list. So some of us have tasted some kind of unit, people doing that and calling it unity, and we get tired of that kind of unity real quick because they want us all to conform and be cookie cutters when we come together. But unity, say this with me, is a covenant relationship. It's a covenant relationship. It's not based on behavior. It's based on relationship. So if you'll stand for the reading of God's word, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures concerning unity as a foundation. It's not my message today, but I wanted to stand strong. in it. First of all, in Psalms 133 in verses 1 through 3, and then right after that, I'm going to read from John 17, verse 20 through 21. Verse 20 through 21. And so with that said, here we go. In Psalm 133, verse 1. Behold. My goodness. Stop looking. Listen. How good. It ain't just good, but it's a how good. And then it's a, not just pleasant, it's how pleasant is for brethren to come together and dwell in unity. Verse two, it is like the precious oil that was upon the beard, 
from the head that run down on the beard all the way down, uh, the beard of Aaron running down to the hem of his garments. Verse three, because unity flows from us. It flows that way. Verse three says, and it is like dew of Hermon descending upon the Mount of Zion. Now watch this. Here is what I want you to see. For there, where is there where unity is? Where unity is? Where unity? When I preach on unity, it's usually kingdom-minded or it goes in many days. But today I want to release a word and this being the foundation of unity in this house. I feel unity in this house. But somehow I know that some of us don't know where we fit, but God wants to show you where you fit today, praise God. So watch this. The reason unity in this house is so important, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life evermore. Oh, I like it. I can stand over here by myself and say, bless me, Lord, bless me, Lord. And he's like, what you talking about? Or I can hook up with people. And God says, just stand there a minute. I want to command a blessing on you. Oh, come on. Hallelujah. But this in John is New Testament and way too much to get into. Hallelujah. But it says in verse 20, I find this very encouraging. Not only does the Bible say that Jesus ever liveth to make intercession for us, but while he was on earth, he prayed for you. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus prayed for you. Now tell him, say, Lord knows you need it. Praise God. Hallelujah. He prayed for you. Here's what he prayed. Hallelujah. Verse 20. I do not pray for these disciples alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their words. Guess what? That's all of us. He prayed for all of us. What did he pray for us? I'm glad you asked. Verse 21, that they all may be one as, he said this, the son of God said, as you and I are one. And our brain goes tilt right there. We can't even get along with ourselves that much. Hello? And so watch this. It says, and Father are in me and I in you that they also may be one in us that the world may see or may believe that you sent me. Let's pray. Father God, I love you. I praise you. I trust you. I thank you for what you're getting ready to do right here in this room, God. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your love. I thank you for pouring out your spirit upon us. And God, that every need that we have will be met this morning. God, that you're going to show us the way. You're going to show us what we need to be doing. And God, I thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So with that said, that is a foundation and a little bit of understanding on unity. Most people believe it's impossible and unity is impossible. There's too many differences, but there has to be different levels of unity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I need a couple of volunteers. TJ, I know you can't. That's right. Isn't it? Come on up here with me, brother. And where's Garrett at? Is he still on break? Where's he? All right, let's get somebody else. Who, who just went up here? 
up, all the way up here, all the way up here. Praise God. Hallelujah. Young lady, would you help me out? Praise God. If you'll go to the top of those stairs and you just stand over top of those. Hallelujah. We think unity is impossible. But the reason I'm always talking about prayer, brother, prayer is where we get intimate with him. So what happens if we're not careful in the natural, we can be standing worlds apart, worlds apart. And we may have a history. This has nothing to do with whatever's going on. Yeah, praise God. But in life, we can find people that we see stuff about them we don't want to connect with. And we can see stuff, even it'd be a miracle, but to see something that they may not connect to in your life. But what happens, what if this pulpit represented Jesus? What if he got so hungry for Jesus, he couldn't help but do anything but come toward Jesus? And she got so hungry for Jesus. All you can do is come toward Jesus. Come this, and you cut me right there. See, because when we, my God, that's the reason we got commonality is because in our prayer room, God had already melted our hearts together. Hallelujah. Now watch what happens. Though they're shy and they need to come a little closer. Hallelujah. <laughs> that when they run toward him, automatically we run toward each other. I'm just saying, this is just a quick illustration and a true illustration because that's what I'm finding happening in my life as a pastor when I was trying to build bridges and everybody thought it was conformity. I thought, if I get some people to run toward Jesus, you'll look up and go, hey, you're standing in my space. No, I'm standing in Jesus' space. So we can stay here, okay? All right, just remember, keep Jesus in the space. Y'all go be seated, praise God. I'll call you back in a minute because these guys are fun, hallelujah. So in my world, in my world, what, what, I, what, what I want to talk about this morning is a com it feels completely different for a moment. But let me move forward right here. Because this week, we have just been through a couple of days, those that could, of... Uh, ministry, development, retreat, being equipped for the harvest. Everybody say equipped for the harvest. See, sometimes it seems hard to be equipped for the harvest because we feel alone in the harvest. And when God begins to call us, some of you got a, a, a powerful high calling on your life, it gets overwhelming because you're trying to figure out what to do next. But God's plan, because he's the one that set the example, he chose 12 to hang out with him. They wasn't all alike, and one of them had a devil. I'm just saying, in this world, you will have tribulations, praise God. But when we understand and look in to the high call of God on our life, I believe the high call is simply the great commandment, which is love God with everything in you, and the great commission, you'll know how to fulfill that when you fulfill that, and when the great commission is go into all the world. But I just want to make a couple statements before I share the scripture uh, uh, where I'm going to be teaching from for just a few moments or preaching from. Hallelujah, I first started preaching. People would tell me, that was a good, good 
pre, preach, teach, speech. That was a good speech you just gave, you know. So I don't know what the call I'm doing yet, but I've only been doing it 36 years. I've only done it 6,000 times, so we're just going to see what happens this morning. A friend of mine will make some statements like it. Opportunity of a lifetime only lasts the lifetime of the opportunity. I ain't deep at all. I think I got that. But I know in this room are a whole lot of us had opportunity, had opportunity, and we didn't seize it. And that lifetime of that opportunity passed. Passed. Anybody experienced that in your life? Hallelujah. We're not voting on new carpet. We're asking you to agree with me by waving your hand at me. Hallelujah. And so with that says, and not only that, because every missed opportunity is a message, though, to seize the opportunity in front of you now. In front of you now. Hello? I believe God's going to open some doors for you guys. I believe God is going to speak so clearly to your pastor that instead of just waiting to see what he does with it, y'all going to be going like, hey, how can we help get that done? Amen? Because we need a, a team, a team, a group working together. Hallelujah. In Mark chapter 2, verse 1, it simply says this, and it was noised, in other words, loud, that Jesus was in the house. Hello, in this story I'm getting ready, it was noised. I wonder sometimes if I went to a church like this, I'd get as loud as the worship team out there saying, come and see, come and see. I, you understand what I'm saying? Hallelujah. But see, some of y'all don't do that because the last time you invited a stranger to church or someone that didn't understand your way of doing things, you're like, sister hoop and diddle did flips right down the center aisle. And you're like, what? So we want to play safe. But I'm telling you, the church that you've been blessed to be a part of is a church that you can be confident in, in the spirit of God moving just like it did right there. I, I think things are shifting and shaking for you, darling, because of what happened right there. Now, let me continue this story. Hallelujah. So it was noise abroad, and what happened as a result, the thing filled up. The thing filled up. I've been in the church my whole life and I could always find a seat in most of them. Then I went to a couple of those big revivals, broke out one in Toronto. That was the first one I went to. You know what blew my mind more than anything, Pastor? People would show up and stand in line to get in a church. I thought, my God, I've never seen anything like that. Why? Because God was doing something inside that pulled and people were hungry. Hallelujah. Now watch this. I'm, I'm running. I'm running quick as I can. Here we go. Hallelujah. And what was going on in verse two, it says there was no room to receive them. Not so, not so much as about the door. Not so much as about the door. So some folks showed up and it, all the people couldn't get in the building so they had the yard jammed. They had the uh, whatever jammed the doors. They couldn't get nobody else in. But listen carefully to what I'm getting ready to tell you. Jesus was preaching the word. 
outside. Verse 3. Then it says, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man. But when they, I want King James help us understand this text by putting words, you know, beyond the Greek just to make it make sense to us. So right here it says, when they, everybody said they, realize that they couldn't even get near him because of the crowd, they went up on top of the house and they tore away the roof above Jesus' head and when they had a broken through, praise God. Somebody going to get a breakthrough today, praise God. Anyway, when they had broken through, they, and say it one more time, they lowered the paralyzed man on a stretcher right down in front of Jesus. Now watch this. First of all, they implies more than one. They imply partnership. They imply a source of kind of a unity and they achieved more than one could do, more than what two could do, more than what three could do. It took four to properly carry this man to Jesus. Are y'all with me? A side rabbit right here is very simple. When Jesus saw their faith, he didn't hear him say, I got faith. How many know actions speak louder than words? I believe in God. He's the love of my life. It's like the boy that wrote his dear old girlfriend a note. He sent her a letter about on Wednesday, I believe it was. And he said, honey, I'll climb the highest mountain. I'll swim the deepest ocean. I'll cross the driest desert. And I'll see you Saturday if it don't rain. That's kind of like our prayer life, praise God. No, I don't do anything for you. But that, oh no, not that either. Hello? We are called to be servants of the most high God. And so what happened, it wasn't just works. It was faith in action. I struggle with some of the new teachings in our society because it's call it faith and there's no action. Not chasing that rabbit. It's a good rabbit. I need to kill it, but not today. We got to understand that faith is connected to what we do, not just what we say. Hello. Oh, I could go pastoral, but I'm trying to stay focused. But here's something I just need to say. And, and, and when this awesome lady came up front for prayer or was brought up front for prayer, watch this. Jesus saw their faith. It was visible faith. It was visible faith. You need to think about, is your faith visible? Is your faith visible? I quit a great job to go into full-time ministry, and I had nowhere to preach. Not smart. Don't do it unless you know you heard God, and I'm still wondering if I did. But 
I had a great job. I drove a truck. I loved it. Loved driving a tractor trailer. Paid great money. Got good. Everything was wonderful. Until one day I couldn't do it no more. The pulpit was calling me. And too long a story to tell. But when I went in my, to my boss's office, I said, I'm going to give you a two-week notice. I'm going to leave this job. I wanted you to have time to hire somebody. He said, what are you doing? I said, I feel that I need to go into ministry. He said, I'm glad it's you and not me. I'm like, what? I'm wondering, how do you even understand that term? He kicked back in his chair and he said, I'm sure God will take care of you. I'm a deacon at such and such church. I thought, I've known you for three years. I was not even suspicious (laughs) that you were a Christian. It's like, what? But here I am, and God got me here. Hallelujah. And me and Joanne got here that way. Hallelujah. And so, but he said something that I think is very important to note. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed guy, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, this is crazy. You know, the Pharisees had no problem with his healing people. I mean, they tried to explain it away. But Jesus was going about healing, casting out devils. He was doing all that kind of stuff. Nobody had a problem with that. But when Jesus said his response this time, everybody fell apart. What he said, your sins be forgiven you. And immediately they called the gossip line and said, This man is crazy. Can't nobody forgive sin but God alone. Now watch this. Think about where we are, where we are right now in our world. Back then, they believed in healing, but not in forgiveness of sins. But in this generation, we believe in forgiveness of sins. Hello, we got faith for that. We got so much faith for that. We'll go out willingly sin sometime. God have mercy on your soul. That's all I know about that. But we're so confident that when we ask God to forgive us, he's going to wash our sins away and everything is good. God, God mean you good, right? Right? We good. We good. We good. Right? I don't, am I right? How many repented of your sins when you got saved? Not voting. Raise your hand in agreement. We ain't going to give an altar call here in just a moment. But since then, have you ever repented again? The hands are not raised at all. Thank you. Thank you. Why? Because we want to make sure everything's good. But when it comes to healing in our generation, just like they said, Jesus can't forgive sin, we think Jesus can't heal no more. Do you understand that healing is as easy as when you sin and you go, Heavenly Father, forgive me for missing. And the Bible says in Romans, he cheerfully forgives. I'm like, hello. And he said these classic words that I just wanted to hit in passing. They were upset at him. And he asked this question. I'm asking to everybody in this room and myself, whether it's easy, which is easier to heal a body or to cleanse sin? Jesus said, I 
do both. Trying to get somebody to stow your faith up in here. I don't know what the doctor said. I don't know what the neighbor said. I don't know what your generations have said, but Christ is still the healer in this room today. He can wash your sin. He can heal your body. Hallelujah. And not even flinch. Praise God. Glory to God. Glory to God. That's who he is. That's what he does. And somehow we got it backwards in this generation. But the same book applies today. Now, with that said, he said, what's easier to say to the sick of the palsy? Your sins are forgiven or to say, rise and walk. Take up your bed and walk. Same difference for Jesus Christ. If you want to study his healing power, read about his forgiving power too. And it says, and immediately he arose, took up his bed and went before in so much that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw it like that. Jesus could do both. In our generation, most all denominations are good with you getting your sins forgiven. They're not good when you start talking about healing. They'll tell you it's done away with. No, it ain't. What's funny, they say it's done away with because of the condemnation of the scriptures and the scriptures is the one that says he still heals. I don't know. Are y'all okay? I felt like chasing that rabbit and glad I did. Praise God. Because God is going to use his church in the area of healing. What I saw here is just an anointing in this room. Hallelujah. For people to get healed when they come in here. Get healed. Get healed. Get whole in the name of Jesus. Now, I shared that story for one reason. I want to say this. I want to tell you that... I one morning was preaching a message out of this passage of scripture. And I got to the point where they tore the hole in the roof. And my point that I wanted to make is God will help you overcome all obstacles, right? It's a legit point. That's what I was going to say. But when I got there, standing right in front of God and the people who were attending that morning, I saw something I never saw. I want to talk for the next few minutes about they, the four people who grabbed a corner and got that man to Jesus. See, because we, if we're not careful have issue with who's grabbing our corner. But the guy who was paralyzed, he didn't really care. If hell's angel had pulled up with a, a sidecar and throwed him in, he'd be like, glory to God. <laughs> if Mother Teresa had floated in with her rings, that's bad theology, but I'm going to keep moving. And lifted him up and carried him. He would have been glad. So I, would, I need right now, I just want to take just a moment. I think I got a moment. Praise God. Hallelujah. Can I use those same people I already used? 
in, in Garrett? Right? Where's Garrett at, huh? He's teaching? Oh, good. I keep picking on that guy. But that guy smiled so big back there, I think he can help. Praise God. Hallelujah. Austin, is your hands free for a millisecond here? Can you come up here? I, I, got, I got me four guys right now. I got four guys. Hallelujah. Huh? And a woman. Hello. I'm not that kind of pastor, by the way. My God, my wife preached it better than I do. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That was a slip of the tongue. Okay. Okay. Now, what am I advertising here? All right. Okay, it's good. Grab a corner. You grab a corner. You grab a corner. And you grab a corner. If we're not careful in the church of today, but while we're looking for corner grabbers, we got to go through the application We, if we're not careful, will be laying in a stretcher and we'll say, hi, how dare you wear a tie? We're supposed to dress casual nowadays. So you're disqualified from carrying this stretcher. Don't go nowhere. I'm going to need you in a minute. Same way. That guy smiles too much. I think he's up to something. And so you can't do it. Now, this guy, I don't never know what he's thinking. <laughs> huh? Y'all don't either, do you? You don't know what that boy's thinking. He just grins a lot. I think I know why. But and then this is a woman. <laughs> oh, my God. Who does she think she is trying to do ministry? If he had let a deacon board pick his four men, he would have died a cripple. Not only that, what if they were all right-handed and they said, excuse me, sir, I need to be right-handed, grab it. So if all y'all were right-handed, what would that look like? Your right hand, your right hand, your right hand, right hand. Okay. Now stretch that thing out a little bit. Stretch out and come this way a little bit. Now, now here's what we're going to do. If you're right-handed, we're going to carry him. But what happens is, let's just say, let's just say, if they started walking and they were all facing that way, just face that way. Everybody face that. Okay. Now, now, now his legs are going to kick you in the other reasons, but move. No, you need to face this way because that just makes sense if you're going to use your right hand, right? And that makes it turn, face that way. I'm point, making a point. No, not you. Not you. Here's what we're This is an illustration. And in the illustration, we're going to carry this like we would a casket, okay? So the right-handed folks have to grab it by the right hand so they can have straight-down pressure. And so everybody's right-handed. But what happens when you start walking? Just, just, just walk. walk. Wait a minute. You, you go that way? You go that way? Now, 
We did not rehearse this. Anyway. <laughs> but what happens is where many churches are. We are so want our way that we want to do ministry our way. Hello? And so what happens, we end up going around in circles and nobody gets to Jesus. But what happens if they understand leadership and they understand principles of working together and partnering together. So let's grab this thing properly. Everybody grab it with whatever hand you want to grab it with and go that way. Just go ahead. Use your left hand there. And what happened? Things begin to move. Things begin to move. Now stop. Now come back for just a moment. So what I want you to see this morning, very simply, we've been talking about developing for ministry. We've been talking about equipping for the Great Commission. And if we can grab a corner, everybody say that, grab a corner, things get done. Because in reality, when you are carrying a stretcher, you need, I've, been, I've done 400 funerals possibly in my life. And that funeral director steps up, turns around, and grown men. Even if it's a little lady uh, in charge of the funeral, them guys will jump anywhere she says jump around that casket. And they grab it and they uh, achieve their mission. Because what we got to do is see a bigger picture and we're trying to learn all the theology on the end time. We're trying to figure out all the ABCs of theology when we sometimes just need to grab a corner and get things done, glory to God. Let's give our guys a hand. Hallelujah. God bless you. Go back to your seat, except you. You stay with me in just a moment. Come here, right here. See, when we begin to understand principles, that easy. I've preached this right after I preached it. One of my friends, he had got saved out of the bars and he was the bass player in the bar and, and he had gotten married. His life had turned around completely and somehow he couldn't get a hold of me. Uh, whoever was going to preach, his, his dad was a barroom guy and it was a quick funeral and he couldn't get a hold of me. He called and he called and I was somewhere where I couldn't even get a signal or whatever it was. And finally, he just preached his own dad's funeral. It was in a moment's time, he preached it. I'm like, my, that's tough. He'd just gotten saved. He hadn't even been preaching. And he, I, I finally got a hold of him where he'd been trying to get a hold of me. And I said, Jason, man, what's going on? He said, man, I was trying to get a hold of you because I was hoping you'd preach my dad's funeral. And he said, he said but I grabbed the corner, Pastor. I preached it, and I'm glad I did. God showed up. I'm like, I'm glad you didn't get a hold of me. I didn't told him that yet, so. But see, if we're not careful, we forget we are in the kingdom of God. And when God speaks to pastor to do something, you don't need to talk to him. I don't know why he's doing that. He's just a dreamer and a visionary. He's always trying to get something done. 
None of y'all sound like it. And I don't normally sound like it. I tip around my wife sometimes. But you follow where I'm at. Because let me show you something. I'll show you a quick principle. For years, you know, we, we have seats like y'all have. We named our building a multi-purpose building. So we've done different events there. And sometimes, I think at that time, we had maybe five. It holds 900 seats, but we have about 500 seats in there. And sometimes, we have to move every one of them. And for a while, some of the people that helped in that department, they'd always want to wait till tomorrow to do it. Event's over. We'll come back and move. And I look out there, and there's two people moving 900 here. And it would look something like this. What if this afternoon... Every one of these chairs needed to be out of the sanctuary for a reason. And us in our spirituality, she's the only one we trust to move our chairs. And not only that, somebody else, a helper, surely they wouldn't expect me to move a chair. I don't know how long it would take, do you? Here's a chair. Let's just move it up to there. I may want to sit down in a moment. I don't Let's move. Come on. Somebody take a picture of this. Oh, I see. Okay. I hope you never see that again, man. But what if she had to take every seat in here down to that building? Because all of you are busy. You don't have time. Are y'all okay? See, look, look, I'm guest pastor. He's your pastor. I can be mean, and he can be mean anytime he wants to. I hate to use my one time in front of you being mean. I'm trying to get a reality going. But what if the same scenario? She's in charge of getting every chair out of here, and if nobody helps her, she has to do it herself. But what if the end of service, she said, before you leave, grab a chair. And then come back and get the rest of the chairs. That means everybody in this room gets to make two trips with a chair instead of her making 200, 300 trips. Are y'all okay? Thank you. You finally get to go sit down, or you can sit there if you want to. You look good up here. <laughs> Hallelujah. But are you following me? The thing about it is very simple. It's very simple. There's much more I could share about this subject because it's near and dear. To me, my main point, my main point is who is bringing the lost to Jesus. Now, with that said, if that's not your high calling per se, our high calling for all of us is to participate in the body of Christ. The body of Christ is twofold. It's the church universal. Everybody say the church universal. That's the kingdom of God. But also, it's the local church. How many know Jesus believes in the local church? He said the church at Ephesus, the church. Hello? The church, the church. Every church, every church has everything in it it needs to succeed. That be you, y'all. 
because where you are right now, there's enough people to get us where we need to be as a church. And sometimes it is simple as grabbing a corner. Because grabbing a corner or moving a chair, how do you, you can be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesy and move a chair. Or you just walked here and there off the street and you don't know what to do. So you just grab a chair. Come on. Come on. Hello? Anybody familiar with Tommy Barnett Ministries? You heard of that? He does a pastor school. He would always bring, he, he had one of the biggest Saturday Sunday schools, 12 to 1500 students. In that Saturday morning outreach, every Saturday, the guy in charge of him come up to teach us pastors one day, and it was a great revelation, he said. Now listen, on my buses, when we run our buses, we always have a bus pastor. We always have a bus pastor. Then that person has to be saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And every bus pastor has an assistant which is helping with the games and stuff. To get. See, now they got to be saved. And then he said this, but the bus driver, he needs a CDL. Yeah. I, I misunderstood where y'all were right there. I'm trying to say, you mean, you, what? Tell me, everybody in this room got their act together. Tell me a brand new Christian come in with a CDL license, get born again to the bone and don't even know how to do nothing. And, it, and you need a bus driver. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. No, y'all wouldn't. Y'all, y'all, y'all way holier than I am. But I'm just saying the point is not to do stuff like that. That's not my point. My point is you fit. You fit. There's a corner somewhere waiting for you. I needed a blanket. I didn't know I was going to do that, so I needed something. I spoke to a lady right over here. Boom. She started making it happen. She got me four of them, praise God. It was just like above and beyond the call of duty. Hey, Jesus. <laughs> over to God. What if we all adapt? I don't know what it is, God, but I want to grab my corner. I want to grab my corner. Why is that important? Because it takes all of us to do what God is calling this congregation to do. It takes all of us. And it could be simple. Can I tell you a, a thing that's important, and evidently somebody does it here because I haven't seen any trash here in the Bible. Do you know what Disney World, and I could tell you all that's wrong with it, but I heard this about the leadership there. At Disney World, everybody from the CEO to the lowest guy on the totem pole, if he sees trash in the parking lot or on the grounds, he is obligated to pick that up. If we are not careful in our society, we walk by stuff, boy, that cleaning person, they ain't doing their job very good. Well, help. And whoever it is that cleans this church, you can pay me later. Or whoever does the parking lot. Or you see trash on the yard. My goodness. It's your church. We need 
one another. Why? Because in the big picture, people out there don't wander into church on accident. Most people, how many of y'all got saved in a church building? You got, okay, now listen, I'm going to take names right now. Anybody don't raise, I'm going to put you on the intercession list to get, list to get saved. But one more time, everybody got saved in the church, raise your hand. Okay, so I assume you who didn't. Do you know all my friends that do street ministry, they're telling us to get out of church, get out of church, get out there and get to do something. Some people were so, I'm not going to use that kind of language here, not cussing, but just calling people dummies and stuff, but I'm not going to say that here. The, that there were people who were posting on Facebook when COVID shut down the church. Finally, the church would go out in the street. I'm thinking, they ain't going to the street. It's illegal to go to the street. They're going to stay home and watch porn and get drunk. They got free from it. Now they ain't got nothing to do. So I'm bored. Are you understand what I'm saying? So I, I make this point because I got some street evangelists in my church. I told them, guys, don't go out there to stand till you learn how to sit. And every one of them go out there and make a fool of themselves and God. I'm trying to say right now, though it may not be scripturally in my church, there was 300 people there one Sunday morning. And I said, how many of y'all got saved in church? And everybody raised their hand but one. He'd worked third shift, and I'm pretty sure he was snapping right then. And I had, he had grace for that. You understand how important it is to get sinners in the church? But you'll hear people all the time on social media making excuses for their lazy selves that won't go to the house of God. They set bad examples for the lost neighbors. They set bad examples for the lost co-workers and they don't even go because they think somehow they're going to fill a moment and it's going to be spiritual and God's going to let them prophesy hallelujah or go out on a farm and write a song. We are actively in ministry now. We are soldiers, not just sheep, needing to be taken care of and bottle fed. We are men and women of God who God called out of darkness, moved us into his marvelous light and anointed us and appointed us to grab arms, to grab shoulders, to encourage one another and let's clean this town up. Let's go after the lost and we can do it with a leader like this. Hallelujah. Land in this plane. Why? Why? Because people need it. Most everybody that comes to my church, every sinner that's ever walked into my church, somebody invited them. Something happened. They came that way. I'm just giving you one point, but let me show you my point, and I'm just going to have to quit right here anyway. It says in John chapter 9, verse 24, hallelujah, and 25, there was a man, for, well, let me just read this. In verse 24, so they again called the man who was blind, and now he's sinned said to him, give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. Verse 25, he answered them and said, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. But one thing, everybody say that, one thing. Say it again, one thing. One more time, one thing. I know that I was blind, but now I see. Stand up. Everybody stand. Are y'all okay? My subject is simple. 
We need one another. Look at the person next to you and say, we need you. We need you. We need one another. We need to do our part. Well, during worship, I, I just don't, I usually don't get involved that because it's not my personality. Tell me what you look like at a ball game with your grandson playing. Your personality don't matter no more. What if we worship God because he's worthy? Whether the team has got our goosebumps going or not. He would sing himself crazy if y'all just pulled on that a little bit more. I'm not rebuking you. I'm just having fun at your expense. It's easy. You know, that's what preachers do. I'm just saying. You're very blessed. I double dog dare you next Sunday to get out of your feet and get your dance on. Maybe we don't do that here. I don't know. Maybe it's against the law. But I'm playing again. But I'm not playing. In a moment where, how many opportunities did you have last week to worship the king like was given us this morning? I encourage you, take full advantage of it and become an aggressive worshiper in a world that makes fun of our king, in a world that talks bad about our king, talks bad about us. I just want to stir you up because the guy in the stretcher, whether it's meth, whether it's broken relationships, whether it's church hurt, they call it, whether it's this, that, and the other. Christ is the healer for all of that. And there just needs to be a point of contact between us and them. And I'm not calling you into the ministry. I'm not ordaining you. You don't come in and try to take over somebody else's ministry. There's leadership that handle the, handle the leadership. But we just need to be mindful and say, God, what can I do? What difference can I make? What difference can I make? Praise God. What difference can I make? I mean, I'm just saying, what difference can I make? We're in a world that needs Jesus. Every crack, crevice, and corner of this planet needs Jesus. And none seems to me like needs it more than America. We were founded on the Word of God. We were established for religious freedom. We are in the land of the free, the home of the brave. And we're standing by watching everything take over. If you want to be transgender, you have a hundred times more rights than Christians have. I'm saying there's a backbone in this church. Y'all stood the test of time. Hallelujah. You got foundation three or four generations back of being a child of the most high God. My God, you ought to walk out of here and put your strut on. Praise God. Get your swag back because you are blood born again children of the most high God, hallelujah. I wish I had a young man to run around this room for me right now. Y'all have to admit, y'all felt that. God's knocking on a harsh door. What difference can I make? 
four guys had mercy, had compassion, or may have just had pity. We call them the four friends, but really it don't mention they were friends. They were willing to grab a corner and they were willing to grab a crowbar when they got there. I personally believe because they didn't want to pack him back, but that's neither here nor there. But they didn't have to pack him back because Jesus healed him. Pastor, I was so blessed by what was happening right here because this church, here's how you can grab a corner because you just did it. I saw one bring one, I think, maybe two came down, who needs a miracle at this point because in the unknown, the miracle is getting through the unknown. And then somebody else joined. In a few minutes, your whole congregation picked up the compassion. You know what you felt when you started when he had you point your hand over there, oh, you started praying, praise God. Hallelujah. So I'm saying, y'all are doing a great job. My only job was try to show you what you're already doing and look for ways to do more. Hallelujah. You getting ready to sing a song? I think we need to go back to Jesus. You do that all by yourself, in the name of Jesus. Can you stand right there? Just close your eyes for a moment. Close your eyes for a moment. I know I get a little carried away, and I know we don't have to do that. But we need to be sincere in our worship. And you close your eyes now and think about the name above every name. The name in which when the disciples come back, said, Jesus, Jesus, even the devils are subject to us. He said, don't rejoice because of the devils. Rejoice because your name is written in a covenant relationship in heaven. And therefore, I give you power over all the works of the devil in the name of Jesus. You are stronger than you feel. You're more anointed than you can realize in our fleshly bodies. We're more blessed with God's hand up on us than we can imagine. And all of it is because the name above every name. Right now, as they sing this, just close your eyes. Just close your eyes. And let's get real right now, personal. Don't think about people who can do more. Don't think about people who are doing more than they ought to or whatever you think that. Let's think about the healer. Let's think about the Savior that saved every one of us that raised our hands. Come on, right here.
Pastor Jade Abrams here. I just want to thank you for watching and joining with us today. We're so glad that you chose to be with us. We just encourage you to stay in contact with us. Click, follow, subscribe on all of our social media platforms to stay up to date what's happening here at PTC. We bless you in Jesus' name and we love you and so does God. Have a good day.